Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Ask an Addiction Specialist. I'm Dr. Bob Weathers, and my partner in crime here is Odie Martinez. Happy to have you with me, Odie. Thank Glad you to be here. for Thank joining you. me. Yeah. yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I want to invite you uh, right from the get-go here to please submit questions or comments as we go through the show. Austin Armstrong, one of my co-producers, along with Fran Salvatierra, are here today in the studio, along with Odie. Also, uh, you're welcome to... Uh, forward the links to today's podcast to friends of yours. We welcome that. It helps to spread the word. So please uh, do so liberally. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, just by way of review, last week we covered in some depth practicing forgiveness and self-compassion. Odie and I did an exercise together and we mm -hmm. both debriefed about our experience with that. And you're very welcome to access our archives of these Ask and Specialist uh, podcast I just looked today and I think this is the 30th in a series which means we're over half a year into the podcast mm -hmm. there's a wealth of information in these podcasts we've had guests we've had OD we've covered uh, a, a whole bunch of different topics and you can access those archives uh, here at Ask Addiction Specialist uh, the Facebook group you can go to Beginnings Treatment Centers and find them there you can also go on YouTube so I invite you to do that and soon enough, I'm going to be uploading more of these to my own website, which I'll give you the, the, the uh, address to that a little bit later, but uh, just multiple forms of being able to uh, ways to, to get this information. So today our topic is marking our gratitudes, uh, adding thankfulness to the process of recovery. I'd like to introduce today's uh, discussion of gratitudes by talking about my tie. Mm. <laughs> I don't usually mm -hmm. wear a tie to our Wednesday afternoon show. <laughs> I'm coming today uh, from a memorial of a, a dear friend of mine who just passed away suddenly this last week. And his mm -hmm. wife asked me to speak at his memorial today. And I did. And as I was uh, driving from the memorial to our podcast today, it occurred to me that it uh, it might sound paradoxical at the beginning, but I don't think that it is. I'd like to share with you uh, the kind of the core of my eulogy to my friend Jerry that I shared today in the spirit both of honoring him and also uh, of setting the tone for our talking about gratitudes. In this case, gratitude for Jerry's uh, uh, life mm -hmm. and uh, uh, gratitude for having known Jerry for the last several years uh, quite closely. Um, what I shared with the group today in the memorial was that I, I said I'd like to share just a couple of poems. These are, these are poems that uh, Jerry would have liked, mm -hmm. I, I believe. And I asked the, those that were participating in the memorial to reflect on their own experience of Jerry to see what, what um, lines of the poetry evoke for them in terms of their memories of Jerry. Mm -hmm. And so the poems are short, so I believe I can share them with you. I intended to bring them up here today, and I left them in my car. So <laughs> we're very much dependent on my memory on the spot here, and we know how that goes when I'm on, on, the, on the camera or something. Well, I believe in you. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so um, I hope that, that as I share the poems with you, you all didn't know Jerry, but you can think of people that you have loved in your own life that have meant something to you, and you might apply them uh, to those memories. Uh, of people in your own life maybe that have passed. I think it's a way that we can kind of carry the spirit of Jerry's memorial even here today. So the first poem is by E.E. E. Cummings. Love is a place and through this place of love move with brightness of peace 
all places. Yes is a world. And in this world of yes, live, skillfully curled, all worlds. In the context of these poems today, what I shared was that Jerry, uh, to anybody that knew him and the audience, there was a full audience in the facility where we met, anybody that knew Jerry would know that first of all, Jerry um, manifested an incredibly loving presence. Mm. Jerry hailed from India and uh, grew up in India and he uh, was a lifelong Hindu mm -hmm. and carried a just a deep devout spirituality that was uh, was Indian in form but manifested just when you were with him you just felt this incredibly loving mm -hmm. energy. The second thing that stands out for me with Jerry and it actually might actually lead is that Jerry the lines of the poem say with brightness of peace mm -hmm. when you're in Jerry's presence it's just this radical peace that he radiated mm -hmm. uh, I never saw him in a state other than that which is really remarkable he's singular in my life I believe that way mm -hmm. and the third comment that I made today is that Jerry to me uh, lived yes mm -hmm. that idea of yes is a world and by that I think uh, Jerry as much as anybody I've known uh, his life bespoke yes, yes to life, mm -hmm. yes to compassion. He was an incredibly compassionate, uh, empathic soul. And another thing that strikes me about Jerry, my memories of Jerry, is that he, uh, that he gave a big yes to uh, curiosity. He was always mm -hmm. open to something new. He wasn't closed down. And when he passed away, he was in his early 70s, and that's really quite remarkable yeah. for somebody at any age, much less somebody in their early 70s, to have what in the Eastern traditions they call beginner's mind. He just had an openness and a curiosity. Yeah. I love that about Jerry. So that's the first poem that I shared today about Jerry, and I hope that you can find application in people that you've known and loved, as I do with Jerry. The second poem is really just a line out of uh, the poetry of, out of poetry by the 13th century Persian poet Jalaluddin Rumi. By the way, both of these poems came to mind when I began thinking about who Jerry is to me. Mm -hmm. These are the poems that came to mind. So the second one, this is the line. It, uh, Life is short. Use the portion that is left to deepen yourself. Stay in the presence of those who not only speak wisdom, but are that. One of the final words today were these, is that Jerry was absolutely that. Mm. Really yeah. was a wise, wise soul. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about gratitudes today. Didn't anticipate bringing Jerry yeah. and his memories in here, but it, it certainly applies because everything that I've just shared with you from uh, these two poems and the reflections on them represent gratitude for a, a life well lived. I was in a room full of people that were deeply touched by this man. Mm. It's really moving to me. What I want to talk about today, or my proposal is this, Odie. I want to talk about gratitude and its relationship to shame. Last week we talked about self-compassion mm -hmm. and that self-compassion and shame are, are opposites. Okay. To have one is to be absent of the other. Right. And I want to argue a similar uh, position this week, except I want to substitute 
for self-compassion, I want to substitute gratitude. And I'm going to have to explain that, but what I want to say is that gratitude and shame are also mutually exclusive. Mm. So, since you asked me, let me explain. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when I was in graduate school, I did a, a, a research study, actually, on this concept from social psychology, this next slide, this, this uh, concept from social psychology, which is belief in a just world. Uh, belief in a just world is simply this, is that yeah. good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. Mm. And, and I want to ask you as our viewers today, and Odie and I will ask ourselves here too, I want to ask you this, is that when you're deeply in a state of shame, and we've been talking about this for the last several weeks, even months, shame in terms of its relevance to addiction and recovery, shame in its relevance to being enslaved, which is all of us, uh, shame as a, a sense of something being defective about my sense of self, mm -hmm. being broken, uh, uh, being outside of hope, without hope, mm -hmm. for changing my life for the better. So in that state of shame where you feel like crawling into a hole because you're, you haven't done something bad, you are some, someone bad, right. in that state of shame, Is it possible to believe that good things could happen to you mm. or for you right. or as a result of your actions? Mm. What I'd like to hypothesize, what I'd like to suggest is that shame makes it very difficult to access that. Yeah, in other words, if I'm bad, mm -hmm. and back to belief in a just world, if I'm bad, then bad things happen to bad people, right? right. Well, I'm bad people, so therefore. Mm -hmm. Shame makes it very hard then to be able to accept or to embrace my successes. So mm -hmm. if you do something well, or I do something well, accidentally, because after all, we're bad people, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but if I do something well, do, do, uh, I succeed at something, mm -hmm. it makes it very hard for shame to, to uh, excuse me, for success to stick. It's almost mm -hmm. like shame is Teflon. If you can imagine being coated in Teflon, right. and so a successful experience comes your way or a loving comment comes your way. Think about this, how this goes. Mm -hmm. And I can certainly relate to this. When you or I are in a state of shame and somebody gives you a compliment, mm -hmm. how does that land? I'm just going to ask you. To it just... Uh, it lands flat on the floor. Yeah, it slides off the Teflon. <laughs> or another term that we use oftentimes is it goes goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. In other words, it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. Hence the Teflon image. Yeah, right. And so in this sense, what we're saying is that shame makes it very difficult for success to register. And so I can do some things. Mm. Maybe I'm a bad person, but I actually have a run of things that go well for me, chances are they won't stick. And so shame just kind of endures. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to contradict shame because after all, I'm a failure, so I don't even notice when I'm succeeding. Mm -hmm. Several weeks ago, we talked about this idea of, from social psychology of the um, fundamental attribution error. Mm -hmm. And just by way of review, that's when Odie does something bad I attribute it to circumstances. Mm -hmm. When Bob does something bad, I attribute it to Bob. I attribute it to my right. character. Yeah. And so for you, I give you some grace. For myself, there's no grace. Mm -hmm. Well, apply that then to talking about success. When you succeed, it's because you're brilliant. When <laughs> I succeed, it's because of what? It was a fluke. Yeah, it was luck. It was luck. Yeah. So there's no accepting <laughs> of it. So you can, you can see how it's a very kind of hermetically sealed system is that if, if I'm locked in shame, then even successes won't contradict that self-image for me. Right. So I'll be stuck in impaired self-esteem mm -hmm. kind of 
ad infinitum. But <laughs> remember last week when I introduced the concept of reciprocal inhibition? Next slide. We talked about Dr. Joseph Wolpe, who was a colleague of mine at a university in years gone by, who developed this idea as he was founding behavioral therapy that if you can substitute one state of mind for its opposite, mm. then its opposite will diminish or mm. recede to the background. And the example that Dr. Wolpe worked with, we talked about last week in terms of systematic desensitization, which is a mouthful. And to understand that, you'll have to go back and view last week. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> systematic desensitization in a nutshell is that when something makes you anxious, the example we gave was of like a phobia, for example, an elevator phobia oh, yeah, is a common yeah. one, is that the way that you can get over an elevator phobia, according to Dr. Wolpe, is first of all to relax yourself totally. So get yourself into a non-anxious state of mind and body and then approach the, the elevator. And of course, immediately you'll start having stress reaction. Mm -hmm. You will use pause, you back up and relax again and take one step closer. And if you do that long enough, you can actually get the body to desensitize to the stress, hence mm -hmm. systematic desensitization to where you can have, instead of an anxiety response, you can have mm -hmm. a more or less reliable relaxation response. And so that's mm -hmm. the idea. So reciprocal inhibition that Dr. Wolpe worked on was substituting relaxation for stress. Last week we talked about two other opposites. We talked about shame, which is where I judge myself as being in fear. Well, what would it be to substitute, actively integrate into my life a practice that involves self-compassion? And that was our exercise last right. week. We worked on self-forgiveness yeah. last week. And to the extent that I can begin to practice that, because there is Teflon, it takes mm -hmm. some practice to get that through the Teflon, right. is that it's the same principle of reciprocal inhibition, is that I'm beginning to inhibit the, the normal reflex, which is towards shame, and substitute mm -hmm. forgiveness or self-compassion. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we want to do today, and we're going to do that in about <laughs> two minutes, okay? Sounds good. What we're going to do today is an exercise in reciprocal inhibition. You can just, doesn't it just roll off the tongue? You can share this with your friends. <laughs> I'd like you to share this with your friends, actually. So what we're going to do today is very much parallel to what we did last week, except this week we're going to substitute gratitude in place of shame. Mm. With the idea is that if we can practice gratitude, and we're going to do it in a very slowed down frame-by-frame -frame way today, for the next five or ten minutes we're going to have a meditation that focuses on gratitudes, acknowledging mm -hmm. things that we're thankful for, with the idea that one pass, just like last week, one pass through what we did last week yeah. probably won't leave you transformed. We talked about this. Right. But it could open a crack, and that's why you and I talked about what worked. But with some practice, you can actually develop it just like developing new muscles. Mm -hmm. You can develop self-compassion muscles, so to speak. Right. And I'm going to suggest that you can develop gratitude muscles as well. And we're not going to suggest that. I'm going to be the exhibit A, which is to say, <laughs> I practice this most every day for five minutes or less, mm -hmm. and I've done this for about six years, and uh, it seems to have had positive effect. I'm gonna come later to some of the research that's been done. There is an individual 
uh, in this state, in the state of California, that I'll talk about later, who is considered the world expert on the use of gratitude. And he's a research psychologist, and we'll talk about his research later. But I'd rather start with researching ourselves right now. So we're going to do an exercise. So I want to invite uh, you, Odie, and me yeah. uh, to uh, move into a mindfulness exercise. I'll do a brief mindfulness of the breath just to get us a little bit more relaxed. And then I'll talk us through uh, a, a, a gratitude hierarchy. Before we do that, let me introduce real quick I base this, I, I developed this over time myself. The idea of gratitude practice, I learned from my involvement in refuge recovery, which is a mindfulness-based approach to recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I've improvised on it just because I've had lots of years of practice <laughs> and, uh, and because I'm a psychology geek. Yeah. <laughs> so I applied a psychology <laughs> model to gratitude practice. And this is what I've done. If you have curiosity, I, I didn't make a slide today in the PowerPoint presentation to this effect, but I can recommend you if you want to follow up on this. What I do is I follow um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's M-A-S-L-O-W. Abraham Maslow was a very significant psychologist in the United States, was one of the founders of what's referred to as humanistic psychology, where he brought in uh, a lot of uh, appreciation for philosophical and spiritual resources in the process of psychotherapy, and uh, was famous for this. He was a, a president of the American Psychological Association, which is the top honor you can get in the, in the United States as a psychologist. And he developed what's referred to as the hierarchy of needs. and. Uh, it's, it's a motivational hierarchy, what it is that motivates us. And I'll just say this up front and then you'll be able to follow this more or less as I lead us through the meditation. Mm-hmm. Maslow's hierarchy goes like it's, it's, a, it's a pyramid. It's a pyramid. And the foundation of the pyramid, which is the broadest part, the foundation of the pyramid uh, uh, are what uh, Maslow called physiological needs. And so all else rests on those. If you and I don't breathe, then... Yeah what he calls higher order needs don't really matter. Mm. And so we need to have our physiological needs addressed. And I'll, I'll address that in the, the gratitude practice. After physiological comes what he calls safety or security needs. Mm. And uh, we'll flesh those out in our meditation today. After safety and security comes what he called belongingness, which is connection, relationships. And after relationships, he saw those as foundational, leading to what he calls self-esteem. And he tied self-esteem into what it is that we are, are uh, born to do mm. and do well. And so self-esteem is based on the term as psychology uses is self-efficacy, to the extent that I'm able to actually perform at a level that I'm uh, pleased or proud of is to the extent to which I'll have uh, increased self-esteem. Mm. And the very tip of the iceberg, the very tip of the hierarchy, Maslow called (laughs) self-actualization needs. And that's a mouthful, but basically what that was about is that in terms of your core values, your purpose in life, what gives your life meaning, are you living in uh, sync with that? Mm. And to the extent you are, then you're experiencing self-actualization. Really does get down to why do you feel like that you're on the planet? Mm. To put it in spiritual religious terms, what is it that God wants you to do while you're right. here in this in this precious lifetime? Yeah. So, uh, join me now in, in uh, several minutes of gratitude practice, and then what we'll do, like we did last week, is we'll unpack the experience afterwards. Okay. okay. So, if you'll start by just taking a deep breath, I recommend you closing your eyes. You don't have to stare at Odie and me <laughs> unless you want to, <laughs> or you can avert your eyes by looking down. Whatever is most comfortable to you. I'm just going to close my eyes. Take a deep breath, 
Hold it all the way down in your belly and then release and feel your belly settle. Mm -hmm. Okay, take another deep breath. Feel your belly rise and then fall when you're ready. Notice the sensations all the way down. I'm calling it your belly. It's your diaphragm related to your deepest breathing. Feel that rise and fall with each breath cycle. And let's do that for two or three more breath cycles uh, at your own pace and I'll be silent. Just breathing in, breathing out, noticing the sensations of what it feels like to breathe in deeply, rising of the diaphragm, breathe out, and the release of the falling of the diaphragm. Okay, so let's move into the gratitude practice here together. I'll share with you what I do, and you can modify this to fit you. So I start with the physiological needs. You recall Maslow. And I start uh, by expressing gratitude for my sobriety, being in recovery myself. And if that applies to you in terms of recovery from addiction to substances, you can certainly utilize this. I work with young men and women who are very early in recovery and literally each day that they're sober, abstaining from using whatever substance they've been addicted to uh, is a day to be celebrated, a day for which they can be grateful. And if you haven't been addicted to substance, as we've discussed here any number of times, Reflect on anything that you might find yourself addicted to or compulsive about. In a word, anything that you feel enslaved to in your lives. And to the extent that you've been free of that enslavement today, express gratitude for that. truth is, sometimes I've yielded to other addictions. I've eaten too much or I've worked too long. And I'll just make note of that. I, I won't pretend like I've been free of enslavement. If I haven't, I'll just make note of that. And I'll do so gently. It's just with grace. Today was a rough day. I ate too much. Today was a day I was not very kind to myself. I worked too long. So that's the first piece, physiological needs. The second that I, I, I acknowledge my physical health and I'm grateful for my physical health as good as it is, the things that are, that are uh, going well for me, I'm, I express gratitude. I've been very ill for the last three months owing to a sepsis, a, a, systematic, a systemic infection, and I missed several of our meetings here. And I'm out of the woods on that, almost completely free of the infection, so you can bet your bottom dollar that's right at the core of my gratitude. I express gratitude for any exercise I've been able to do in the last 24 hours. And sometimes that means any, I do this in the morning, so I'll be grateful for exercise I did yesterday and grateful for any exercise I'm gonna to do today. 
I'm leaving today's session and going to physical therapy for an hour and a half. I guess I'm grateful for that. <laughs> no, it's good exercise. I express gratitude for my diet and I just reflect on how I've uh, experienced the last 24 hours or so around nutrition and if I've eaten well or eaten less, been more careful, more mindful of, about my eating and what I'm taking into my body, I express gratitude for that. Gratitude for being able to eat. Also express gratitude here for sleep, especially for those of, in, in recovery from addiction. The early uh, weeks, months, sometimes years of recovery from a serious addiction uh, leaves one with really uh, a very kind of impacted sleep disorder. And so there's gratitude to be able to, be able to get any kind of regular sleep and to feel it beginning to come back again. So I express gratitude for a good night's rest. How this goes for me is that if I haven't rested well, I just make note of it. Last night, owing to my preparing for today's memorial service for Jerry, I didn't sleep well last night, so I'm not going to pretend like I did. I just make note of it. I'm going to try to make up for that tonight. And then finally, in terms of physiological needs, I express gratitude for what psychology calls self-regulation. It's basically what we're doing right now. In terms of any way that I've been able to set aside time for meditation, self-care, managing stress, this is where I stop and acknowledge that. It's built right into my morning meditation and I'm always grateful for being able to meditate. That's the physiological need. Now the next level is uh, safety and security. And you can adapt this as well. And how I, how I do this is I start off by expressing gratitude for the handful of really core relationships that represent my essential security in the world. I express gratitude for my wife, for my daughter. And I do that every day. Just being in relationships that are deep family relationships in which there's absolute security. And really appreciate how that's not a given and I want to acknowledge that when I experience that. I also include here security in terms of having a house over my head, <laughs> uh, a roof over my head. I express gratitude for being able to transport myself around to the various activities I'm involved in, the car. I've also adapted this to include things that I'm really grateful for in my life. Last night I got a chance to attend a local drumming in Laguna uh, nearby and I'm grateful for drums. I'm grateful for uh, just material things that, that uh, really give me joy. It's up to you, but sometimes I express gratitude, I think in terms of how the world the state of affairs in the world right now, I express gratitude for living in a country where uh, most of the time I feel really secure. I know not everybody in this country does and then I'm mindful of them. And I express gratitude for that too. I've always had the felt sense that it would have been very easy for me to have been born any place else in the world where there would not be that security and it's not to be taken for granted, including in our own country. Okay, so that's safety and security. 
needs. Now, gratitude at the next level is belongingness. And this is where I go more deeply into my relationships. And I mentioned my wife and my daughter earlier, and I also remember them here. How I do this for me is I will most often look, I did it this morning, I look across the day and I think of who I'm going to be with today, people that I care about. It started this morning with a, a meeting with, with somebody across the country by phone. And then it was the memorial service with dear friends. And then it was coming to be with Odie and Franz and Austin. After this, it's the physical therapist who I like. <laughs> and then a little bit later, it's home and reuniting with my wife. And I just, I just express gratitude for these people in a very concrete way. It helps me in the morning to kind of lay the, the kind of the groundwork for the day. Just, uh, it helps me to look forward to my day knowing that I get to interact with people that I love. I feel very grateful for being so nourished in relationships in virtually every day. It helps me not take for granted the gifts that are given in a day through people in my life. So you can think of that for yourself as well. Gratitude for belongingness needs being met. Now the next gratitude is for self-esteem needs. And how I think about this, as I mentioned earlier, is the way that psychology thinks of self-esteem is it's, it's foundation is in the experience of self-efficacy and that is to do whatever we do to do it well. There's plenty of things I don't do well, but that's not where I, this is not the time where I focus on that. What I do is I, I, uh, this is also what I do in the morning is I'll look across the day I did this morning in terms of opportunities for me to be able to uh, exert competency. And so, uh, a coaching session this morning, my speaking to a large group today at the memorial service, my being here with, with all of us here right now. Later on, my doing some work for the university, working directly with students whose doctoral uh, dissertations I'm supervising. All of these give me a chance to uh, uh, do things that I feel gifted in and to do them to the utmost of my ability. And I, I, I'm thankful for that, really grateful for that. So that's gratitude for self-esteem uh, needs. And then the final uh, gratitude in this particular version is gratitude for self-actualization. And how I apply that, and once again, you can adapt it to your own sense of things is that I just pause for a second and feel into the opportunities I have today as I do this in the morning to be able to live out why I think I'm here on this planet. <laughs> my own sense of things uh, in terms of my own values is that I'm here to help evolve this planet as I feel evolved by this planet. <laughs> and by people on it. And so anything I can do today or did yesterday 
for which I can feel gratitude uh, in, in having contributed to, to making the world a better place, I stop and pause and express gratitude for that. So I went to the memorial service today with intention of honoring Jerry's memory and touching people's hearts. And I believe that happened. And I feel very grateful for that and it's very meaningful to me. And I hope the same right now. I hope that this, that this meditation here might touch one listener and make for some slight change perhaps in that listener's life. And I feel like it's a podcast worth having had. And so I express gratitude for that too. What a privilege. I wasn't planning to share this, but it's what I do in the mornings and I do want to share it uh, before we wind up the meditation. I recently, uh, in the last couple of years, went to a conference that was held in, in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And the conference was on spirituality in the modern world. And I sat next to a minister who had been a minister of a First Baptist Church for 50 years in Kansas City. His name is Paul Smith. And I liked Paul. Turned out that Paul was speaking at this conference. I was on one of the panels at this conference, so I met him several times. And he, uh, he, he taught us, including me in the audience, he taught us this prayer. It'll be familiar to, uh, it, it will feel familiar to you if you have a theistic belief, if you believe in God. But as Paul said, it, it doesn't require that. And there are plenty of people that come from different orientations because of my background in the 12 steps. If you have any sense of something greater than yourself, what the 12 steps call a higher power, um, anything greater than yourself. When I was a boy growing up, it was looking up into the night sky and feeling the presence of the universe so powerfully in its, infin in its infinity. I used to feel it so powerfully and it was really kind of a pre-religious experience. It was a religious experience. It was just not conventional. And uh, you, I think that whatever it is that you feel like that little boy I was, that's greater than yourself. This is what Paul taught us. And I'll, I'll just share this with you. I do this every morning. I typically open my eyes and look out the window as I, as I finish with this prayer. Infinite God in whom we live and move and have our being. Intimate God, you are always with us. Inner God, we are the light of the world. Amen. <laughs> okay, so that's the meditation. Thanks for joining in. Thank you all Thank for you. joining in. It occurs to me, as with last week's meditation, if this touches you, uh, and if you're interested in following it and adapting it to your own uh, uh, 
quiet, I call it quiet time, whatever you call it, your own mm -hmm. devotional time, your own spiritual practice. You're welcome to go back and review last week's and you can do that with this week's. Uh, Austin and Franz will have this up online and you can review this and I highly recommend you doing what I've done is that I took a basic germ of an idea and I've improvised on it for several years until it works into something that now I do. Um, there's two things I wanna say. I was gonna say I do it by rote, but I don't. I do it uh, automatically in the sense I don't have to, I don't have to like right now, I don't have to read notes because mm. I do it every day. Right. <laughs> but I don't do it by rote because I don't move through this unless I actually land on things I'm thankful for. So I never mm. rush through this. I mean, when I talk about being thankful for all those various needs yeah. being met, including people in my life, etc., I pause until I actually have a felt sense of gratitude. Mm. And so I don't rush through it. There, well, yeah. It wouldn't... <laughs> Who am I trying to impress, you know, <laughs> rush through my gratitudes? <laughs> Got to get on to my work now. <laughs> so I encourage you to go back and review this if it's, it's as valuable to you. Let's unpack it a little bit here with uh, Odie and me, okay? okay. Uh, just as we did last week, I want to ask this. And Odie, you can, you can answer first or I can answer. It doesn't matter. We'll both address this. Yeah. In terms of this exercise, what did you find most helpful today? If you'd be willing to share. And I'll do the same. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about... Um, you know, obviously when you start being grateful for things at, at first, for me anyways, it's like, all right, so what can I be grateful for, for my physical, for the, the base pretty much, which is the physical, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm alive, I have a body, you know, and then I, it starts going, you know, I starts mentioning different things and then it gets a little bit deeper and then I start remembering that not a lot of people know this about me but uh, when I was about nine I had a, a hip a hip disease called Perthes disease mm. so what that basically is is that blood stops circulating through your leg mm. and so that happened to me and my hip bone actually uh, started rotting Wow! so that to uh, pretty much replace it well, part of it with a plastic mm. plastic hip basically so just thinking about that and I was in a wheelchair probably for like a year I wow, think so wow. no, I didn't, I didn't. Um, yeah. yeah so just thinking about that and saying you know what yeah I can walk mm. you know I'm grateful for that that yeah. I'm actually by the grace of God yes you know, I'm yeah. walking so yeah. um, just mm. how you can start being grateful for small things mm -hmm. and then you start finding uh, greater things, you know, like you said, you're not rushing through it. Mm -mm. So, uh, for me, <laughs> in my prayer life, sometimes I do rush through it because, like, oh, okay, I gotta get to work. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. but then, um, mm -hmm. uh, just delving a little bit deeper, taking your time, and then I think it, it starts to hit home when you take your time and you're like, you know what, I felt that. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I love the whole idea of pausing to reflect this way. I should say this, it came to me as I was listening to you, mm -hmm. is that uh, as with the self-compassion practice last week, the forgiveness exercise, mm -hmm. that takes me no more than five minutes. How I know it is that I actually set a bell because mm -hmm. I go through four different phases of meditation every morning, 20-minute meditation, mm -hmm. and a bell rings. And I've gotten to where I do this so much is that the, that keeps me on track in terms of kind of moving through this. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, and I've gotten pretty good at estimating the time. So uh, all that I just did that took all that time to talk out, mm -hmm. just like last week, you don't have to talk it out if you know it right, <laughs> or if yeah. you practice it. And so it, I can do that in five minutes, but it's a rich five minutes. I don't feel hurried at all. Yeah. I, just, I just land on each one and spend time with each one. So mm -hmm. there's great value, just like what you're saying, and pausing and reflecting. I love your example of talking about your experience when you were nine. Yeah. It's, it really gives me or you an opportunity to to not take things for granted. And mm -hmm. I liked how you framed it in terms of, of God's grace. It's like, it's a chance to really taste and remember and hold mm -hmm. a sense of grace and how yeah. much grace comes to us. Um, that Thanksgiving need not be something that we do once a year, but it can be something that we actually, and it's not something we do just in the morning. Right, it's something yeah. that you begin to course through your existence where it becomes more habitual, mm. becomes more reflexive. Yeah. And so I really like that idea. And so this is a way of kind of like, setting the tone for the day. It does set the tone for the day for yeah. me. Honestly, when I finish this each morning, I'm really ready for the day to start because I've been, mm -hmm. uh, just the way that I do it is I'll be celebrating the day ahead. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. I'll oftentimes review the day before in terms of things like I talked about with physical needs in terms of my sobriety mm -hmm. and sleep and exercise and nutrition right. yeah. and, and so on. But I'll look towards the next day when I think about relationships that are meaningful to me mm -hmm. or tasks that, in which I get to um, uh, provide competent you know, yeah. uh, skills. And so uh, it really creates an anticipation for the day. I love how it sets the tone and it really is that pausing to reflect like that. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm very uh, selfish about this in the sense that uh, I have to be because I get so distracted. If I don't start my day with this, I get sucked into the vortex of what they, in the East, they call it the 10,000 things, which hmm. is basically infinity. <laughs> I don't know how this goes for you, but if yeah. I, uh, the practical example, if I open my computer and begin reading emails from Austin Armstrong, <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> and I love you, Austin. It's just, I'm just gone. I'm into work brain. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, um, I think it's important to make that a priority because yeah, that yeah, does happen yeah, to yeah, me. Like, yeah. I've, exactly what you say, you know, you, you open that one email, it's, yeah, yeah, I get sucked into yeah, it. It's, it's kind of a rabbit hole. I'm, maybe some there. people are more, more able to compartmentalize, but once I go down that, so I want to set the tone for the day because because it really does set the tone. And if I mm -hmm. set the tone for the day by letting the day get a hold of me first mm -hmm. in terms of my de the demands of the day, it's really hard to come back to this. I found this for me. I just, yeah. I, it really helps. And I think everybody's different, but that's the way I'm wired. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody wrote up here, not only walking, you completed a 17.5 mile hike, Odie. I have a suspicion that that was Austin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Yeah, we wow. went to, uh, how long ago was it, Austin? Like three weeks? Yeah. Like that's three incredible. weeks ago, we went to San Bernardino Peak. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't do much research in it, yeah. but you know, Austin was uh, nice to invite my wife and I. Yeah. And then um, we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into pretty much. And we just, we trugged up all the way up and then uh, barely made it down. Oh <laughs> Lord, 17.5 miles. Yeah. That's like a marathon except going uphill. Are you guys crazy, Austin? You're evil. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Yeah. That really puts in high relief what you were talking about in terms of what you experienced as a boy. Yeah, exactly. Of an ailing so hip and healing and being able to do that. That's extraordinary. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. Let, me, let me shift for just a second and maybe mm -hmm. Odie and I can talk about this. Is mm -hmm. where did, what did you find most challenging? Did something, did, did something not connect or was something harder for you as we were going through this process today? I think um, pretty much the distractions um, 
you know, I think that's mm -hmm. sometimes difficult, like you said, not being able or not being able. Um, uh, taking your time pretty much on each thing, I think sometimes is difficult for me because, um, like, it, it tends, for me, it starts getting a little uh, repetitive, like, like oh, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for this, but I think slowing it down a little bit uh, yeah. is probably the difficult part. And um, just really feeling, yeah. feeling it, yeah. you know, I think is yeah. challenging yeah. sometimes. I think that gets stronger. I think the ability to feel it, and I really do encourage people to start slowly, like what you're suggesting earlier, to mm -hmm. start slowly. And I really don't like to go through this uh, on automatic pilot. Yeah. I'll, I'll give an example. It actually came up this morning for me. Not so much right now, but this morning when I woke up, I had, I had a... a, a troubled night sleeping for the reasons I said earlier oh, right. I think it was really around I woke up thinking about Jerry and about the loss of Jerry mm -hmm. and this memorial service and it kept me awake during the night and so when I got up this morning I got up quite early I get up in the morning for this quiet time mm -hmm. and I was uh, in my wife's terms I was feeling very crusty which is to say <laughs> not at the top of my game in fact truth be told I wake up most every morning crusty but today especially crusty and all I mean by that yeah. well how it manifested with the meditation is it was harder for me to go into it it was harder mm -hmm. for it to land I was yeah. very struck by this this morning is that it takes a certain modicum of rest to be able to rest, yeah. <laughs> to be able to relax. And I was, uh, in my terminology, I was kind of fried <laughs> yeah. this morning. And so just have to accept that, that this morning was no stellar, uh, uh, the heavens opened up type of meditation. Right, yeah. I did it anyway. <laughs> uh, most often, I, I will say this much, 100% true for me, is just as last week with the forgiveness meditation, so this week with gratitude. Mm -hmm. If I'm able to do what you're talking about, which is slow it down. Right. I have never done it without feeling significantly better. Mm. It doesn't, yeah. it, it's not a neutral experience. It's not even close to it. There's something about doing this that actually primes the pump for me for the yeah. day. And that's, that's absolutely the case. It's like, in this sense, there's no such thing as a bad forgiveness exercise mm. in, in, in terms of meditation practice. Yeah. And I'd say that there's no such thing as a bad gratitude exercise yeah. if I'm able to access it. The only thing would be limitations, like you're saying, distractions, opening the computer this morning, being <laughs> too fatigued to really be able to fully appreciate it. Yeah. And we just have to allow for that. Yeah. Just, okay, that's, this was not a great thing. I got distracted today. Or this is not a great thing. I'm too crusty to be able to experience it. Um, <laughs> Be curious to see how this goes for you all in terms of your practice and would encourage you to correspond with me. I'll give you my uh, uh, how you can access me through email. I'd be very curious to support anybody that wants to develop this. Um, I have an idea for this one as with the the, the previous work on, on unshaming and how we kind of culminated last week talking about um, self-compassion or forgiveness practice. Mm -hmm. I'm working on, I'm completing a book right now and that's gonna be a short book, but it's gonna be on that topic. Mm -hmm. And my very next book I wanna write will be about gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to, I'd like to uh, talk to anybody who's interested in what you, what goes well, what doesn't go well and so on, because it'll help fill out and make practical the book that's coming. I think these, these books are really meant as being useful manuals, right. being able to practice this. Yeah. I promised you earlier, thank you, Odie. Thanks You're for welcome. your experience. Yeah, I you. promised you earlier, I'm just going to review it really briefly here, uh, to, to just review a bit of the research that's being done about this. I wanted you to have a taste of this experience, first of all. And then I want to mention uh, uh, Dr. Robert uh, Emmons. Uh, Dr. Emmons is a psychologist. He's at University of California at Davis in Northern California. Mm. 
and he spent his entire career studying the relationship of practicing gratitude or being thankful, mm -hmm. its relationship to stress. Mm. And this is probably no like, you know, brand new earth shaking insight, <laughs> but he's a psychologist. So right. he studies it into the ground and he knows a much, as much as anybody on the planet about the relationship of gratitude to stress reduction. And the answer is yes, it's very effective. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so in this next slide, he talks about gratitude is the opposite of stress. That is to say that gratitude will, will reduce stress, mm -hmm. just as we're talking about that gratitude will reduce shame, is mm -hmm. that gratitude is the opposite of stress. If I can open my heart to, to gratitude, right. that's kind of the key, is if I'm stressed yeah. out, I may not be able to do that. But if I can do that, it will temper stress and it will reduce stress. Yeah. And there's all kinds of studies looking at the reduction of cortisol and adrenaline, which are the stress hormones in our bodies. They will reduce just by our practicing what we just practiced. Mm -hmm. In fact, you don't even have to, you don't have to, I don't have to hook you up and examine your cortisol. <laughs> you can just experience it. As you're yeah. doing it, as you open your heart, like mm -hmm. to the memory you shared with us, yeah. you at age nine, you now, you hiking up to Mount San Bernardino, whatever <laughs> craziness, is to open yourself to that is to open yourself to something that provides peace right, and yeah. some and, and gratitude and some measure of joy. And so it's just an instant uh, built-in mechanism that we can develop. And Dr. Emmons, is, as I said, has turned out tons of research to verify that to practice this is to reduce stress. Mm. And I've already established, and I feel strongly about this, is that to go in this direction, this won't this won't get rid of your shame in one fell swoop. Right. Gratitude, we're talking about as being mutually exclusive with shame. It won't get rid of it, but if you were to practice this regularly enough, yeah. it will reduce it. Think about it for just a second, what we just went through. If I'm grateful for, for, for my body's health and what I'm doing to support that, if I'm grateful for creating and participating in secure relationships and having a roof over my head, if I'm grateful for relationships in general in which there's meaningful intimacy and a sense of nourishment, if I'm grateful for the things I'm accomplishing in the world, if I'm grateful for actualizing my mission on this planet, those are all things that are gonna build up that sense of self that shame would say is defective. Mm -hmm. And soon enough, or with practice, shame's voice begins to have no traction. It's yeah. like, no, that's not true that I'm defective. Look at this, 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 and this. And I have that experience every day if I mm -hmm. stop and pay attention to that. And so what you're doing is you're bu building kind of a beachhead against shame. And I can verify this uh, uh, individual in terms of my own experience. You can go to Dr. Emmons' research and read about this, mm -hmm. or you can just practice it and look at your own experience. And I think that's <laughs> the most powerful. Absolutely. So what's to be done next? Well, as with last week, is that practice makes perfect with this. And so I want to recommend that you take on this gratitude in your own words, in your own terms, in your own timing. Take this on as a daily practice. It won't happen overnight, and you already know that. We all know that. But with practice, and I'd like to suggest this, if you're willing to begin to practice this more, and let's say over the next week, over the next month, if you were to spend just a few minutes each day, whatever time works for you, for me it's first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. to just stop and express gratitudes, imagine what it would be like at the end of that month to look back at your experience and just see what you're noticing differently. Mm -hmm. There's a sense, you know in the Bible has this image of St. Paul where the, the, the scales fell from his eyes. Mm -hmm. 
He was on the way to Damascus and he right. had this conversion experience. Yeah. It's a bit like that, is that the scales begin to fall from our eyes. In this case, we're talking about the scales of shame. Is that soon enough shame begins to fall away, you begin to see yourself as you really are. Mm. And I think these practices of self-forgiveness and today of gratitude are very concrete ways that if I practice these, these will help me see things the way that they really right. are. Yep. Shame would deceive me. Shame mm -hmm. is the great deceiver. Yeah. It's not really who I am, it's not really who you are, but it will convince us of that. And there's things that we can do that, that will militate powerfully against the stranglehold of shame. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage gratitude practice as one example of that. I've got a pretty picture for you. <laughs> there's always something for which to be thankful. We've gone through Maslow's hierarchy today. This diagram you're looking at lists health, Home, family, friends, food, those all fit into our meditation, yeah, those, those all, all matter. But just to begin to consciously uh, practice gratitude, practice thankfulness, and see where it leads you. I want to finish by saying this. Today we've been focusing on marking our gratitudes. Why this is significant in the context of recovery from addiction, I mm -hmm. hope I've made clear about this, is that right at the core of addiction is this experience of shame that I don't fit in the social group and I don't feel good about myself for that. In mm -hmm. fact, why would anybody want to hang out with me? Because actually I'm defective. And so uh, many people uh, will self-medicate with substances and hence addiction, mm -hmm. or will self-medicate with behaviors, right. all the different behavioral addictions that we've talked about. And so if I can find some way to cut right into the core of that, mm. it's like going right into the abscess. <laughs> It's not putting a cap on the tooth, it's removing a tooth that's rotten and replacing it with something that we can count on. If I can go right to the core of that, that will serve me in good stead in terms of healing from my addictions. And so that's, that's the context in which you talk about gratitudes. It's really meant as, a, as an intervention, Odie, that you can use, that Bob can use, that Austin, Franz can use, that all of us can use, that will ensure our, uh, our uh, sustained and successful sobriety, our, mm -hmm. our recovery. So I hope that you'll uh, take this to heart. Um, want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Odie. Thank, thank you, you for participating. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Yeah. Very appreciative. Um, uh, just a few things in closing. We won't be meeting next week for our, our podcast. We'll be meeting in two weeks. And I've begun working on the presentation for two weeks. We'll be looking at yet another skill We've talked about self-compassion last week. We've talked about forgiveness this week. In two weeks, we're gonna talk about building personal creativity hmm. and how it is that accessing creativity ends up becoming another kind of column in our uh, uh, trying to create a, a, uh, a new edifice that will serve us well in terms hmm. of living a life uh, of full recovery. Recovery from shame, recovery from limitation. To put it in a positive way, we can live a life that, that is, is meaningful and actually uh, is at the core of our purpose in our lives. And I'm going to talk about creativity that way. So come back in two weeks for our discussion of creativity. I'm looking forward to that. Same. <laughs> okay. Sounds interesting. Yeah. If there are any final questions, I want to encourage you to send those in the next moments. Or I also want to invite you to send them to my website, which is... Uh, uh, www.drbobweathers.com and you're welcome to reach me there. There's a con you can contact me there. It directly goes to my email. And just write any questions you have that come up around gratitude or last week on self-compassion. Come back in two weeks. Odie and I will be here to discuss personal creativity and how it can be your best friend, okay? Thank you so much for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you with us. Really appreciate your, your uh, being a part of our uh, explorations. Thank you and be well. Thank you.